0: Good evening everyone. Welcome back to If You Smell What The Arch Is Cooking. I am your host Archie Mitchell and this week I am once again flying solo because Mark Brew is off taking care of horseman business. Uh, Mark will be back with me uh, hopefully next week but for right now it is just me, myself and I and I am back once again to spew my hate, my venom and my love for the world of professional wrestling. As it has been this past week. Uh, We're going to be talking about NXT, AEW Dynamite, and AEW Rampage this week. Next week's show, though, will be a special War Games edition of If You Smell What The Arch Is Cooking. As I will be looking at NXT's version of War Games from this past Sunday night. So, let's get ready, as usual. And pop open your favorite... Frosty beverage, and join me, if you will, here tonight. We're going to get into some quick hits, ladies and gentlemen. And our first quick hit is that the WWE is paying for John Moxley's rehabilitation. Um, now, there are some people who have gone out and said, "Well, why isn't AEW? Why is it Tony Khan? Why couldn't Moxley pay for himself?" Well, here, that's not the story here. AEW is supporting John Moxley as he goes through his drug, uh, uh, alcoholic uh, rehabilitation and are allowing him time off. Uh, and I'm more than sure that Tony Khan could have afforded to pay for and probably offered. Uh, John Moxley as well made a very good living uh, in his time in the ring. So I am more than sure that he could have paid for his rehabilitation. The WWE, however, is doing it because they offer that service to any and all past superstars from their roster who want help. They have helped guys like Scott Hall, Sean Waltman. They attempted to help China, God rest her soul, Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, so it, it's this is not something above them. Um, but I will say, good on the WWE for following through, not making this about the uh, wrestling war, uh, or so be it, whatever it is you want to call it. That's going on between aew and the wwe you know they're sitting there and they're like well hey john needs some help let's give it or let's give it to him so and once again i want to send out my well wishes and my hope that john moxley gets the help that he's needed uh to uh get rid of this uh alcoholism in his life and get back on the straight and narrow path uh i for one didn't even know that he had a problem with alcohol while he was in the ring Uh, Let alone outside of it, Uh, you know, seeing him in interviews and things like that. You never would have guessed it. So whatever the case may be, John, we are wishing you the absolute best. Number two on the quick hits this evening. J.R. Jim Ross is stepping away from the AEW broadcast uh, broadcast desk uh, and team to battle skin cancer. Jim Ross has been giving updates about this on social media for the last couple of weeks, and his last update was that he's going to be taking a much-needed break and hopes to be back in about six weeks' time. Uh, Jim has had many different illnesses and problems in the past, and this one being one of the absolute biggest, but doctors say that they can contain it and get him to 100% again. Uh, We wish Jim the absolute best and a speedy recovery Uh, this past week on AEW. Rampage and Dynamite, Jim was not there, and it was actually noticed that he wasn't there. Uh, The broadcast team mentioned him and wished him well, uh, but also him not being there and other wrestlers coming in and doing uh, you know, play-by-play for AEW, it was a little weird. So I wish Jim a speedy recovery, and I hope that he gets back to 100%, not just so we could hear him on commentary, but because, well, let's face it, we all grew up with Jim Ross's voice in our ears, so... I would hate to lose someone like that. It's been a focal part of my life since the 90s. And third and finally, in the quick hits department, WWE will cease making DVDs of pay-per-views in 2022. Uh, no reason was given. Uh, they didn't blame it on budget cuts, like they blamed everything else that's happened in 2021. Uh, just that they're ceasing making the DVDs. Um, I'm guessing maybe Peacock... Uh, Having control of the network uh, is one of the reasons, but that's just me surmising here uh, and assuming things. And you know what happens when you assume. Um, As someone who used to collect VHS tapes of the WWF and WCW and has had quite a few WWE and Impact DVDs uh, in my collection of uh, wrestling and memorabilia, uh, this hits home. It's it's a little upsetting that uh, this is happening. But whatever the case may be, I guess it is at our fingertips with the WWE Network on Peacock. Uh, we can pretty much just type in anything and and find what it is we're looking for. We don't got to fast forward or rewind a VHS tape or a DVD in order to get to what we want. Uh, whatever the case may be, though, WWE has gone through a lot of changes in this last 18 months. Uh, the, the back end of 2020... And now all of 2021, there have been considerable uh, releases as we know of, changes that we know of, and a lot of moves at the top as well. So if if the rumors are true uh, that this is all being done for a possible sale, um, wow, I, I'm going to be honest, even though I've been hearing about it for so long, if that is the actual case of it all. I'm going to be flabbergasted and a little, little bummed because I don't think whoever buys the WWE is going to run them all that well. But um, who knows? Something's got to be better than what Vince has been turning out the last couple of months. And that will do it for quick hits. We are now moving on to WWE NXT. From last Tuesday night. And, um, this was a solid show. There wasn't, really wasn't anything bad about it. Not anything really horrible, I should say. There was a couple of bad things. We start off with uh, Dakota Kai and Kaylee Ray uh, battling to see whose team is going to get the upper hand at War Games um, coming up the following Sunday. Uh, both women War Games teams start off with a brawl in the middle of the entryway. We get left with Kai and Ray going at it and already using the ladder. Both women used the ladder as a weapon and showed a ton of innovative offense with it. Ray, with a little more viciousness, hit her finisher and got the win at the 18-minute mark by climbing the ladder and grabbing a hold of the briefcase. That one spot where she hung Dakota Kai from her feet at the top of the ladder and had her head hanging down, absolutely brutal. Uh, But a really good 18-minute opener for NXT this week. We then see replays from Cameron Grimes and Duke Hudson from last week. Grimes uh, upset Andre Chase, and they'll do battle tonight. Backstage, jacket time interrupts the grizzled young veterans as they are trying to steal from Briggs and Jensen, and some horrible comedy ensues. Uh, Then we go to the ring for Grimes versus Chase. A little bit of comedy here. Chase got in minimal offense, and Grimes Got the win in just under four minutes with his stomping finisher. Which is, by the way, it's an amazing finisher when he does it on somebody his size. But when Cameron Grimes does that jump up double stomp on a guy who's like six foot five, it's unbelievably unbelievable to see. Um, Post-match, Duke Hudson tried to show us what Cameron Grimes would look like after their hair versus hair match. And to be honest, this whole segment and match fell flat for me. Uh, Not anything that great. Uh, Alicia has an in-ring interview with Carmelo, uh, Tony D'Angelo, Grayson Waller, and Braun Breaker. All four cut a promo about the old-school team, but only Breaker actually says anything of meaning. Breaker will face Gargano later on tonight, and Johnny Wrestling walks out and says he will make short work of the big bad booty nephew. This got a laugh from myself and Braun Breaker, uh, the first time someone is actually mentioning it out in the open, um, that Braun Breaker is the nephew of Scott Steiner, the son of Rick Steiner. Uh, I can't wait to see Johnny wrestling and Braun Breaker go at it later on tonight. Backstage, Legato Del Fantasma says they'll once again beat both O'Reilly and Wagner. This team has grown on me. I have to be honest with you. Well, uh, Joaquin Wild is amazing. His tag team partner is great. And they've really started to uh, grow on me as a team. Uh, if they did beat O'Reilly and Wagner, who are an unconventional tag team, who have only been together about a month. I wouldn't mind it. But, um, yeah, as, as we then go to MSK, finally arriving to the Sharma or Shaman. And this is comedy. Uh, they, they The actions they're doing at the front door is hysterical, kind of reminding me of a little bit of Harold and Kumar uh as they go at it uh, we still don't get to see who the shama is uh but this will be done this tuesday night on nxt so we will talk about it during the war games um the actual war game show uh next week on uh, if you smell what the arch is cooking uh and then we go to the ring it's Kyle O'Reilly and von wagner taking on legato del fantasma very good tag team match here both teams getting a chance to shine it was back and forth between Mendoza and Wagner. Then Wild and O'Reilly traded shots as well. Wagner and Kyle hit a wicked-looking tag team finisher, almost like a total elimination, uh, and they pick up the win at the 14-minute mark. Solid showing for all four individuals involved. Uh, great tag team match there. Imperium tells McKenzie that they're ready for O'Reilly and Wagner backstage but their opponents interrupt and get in their face. We then shift to last week with Joe Gacy saying he's going to make the cruiserweight division all inclusive. How? See, this is something that we have yet to touch upon. How do you make the 205 cruiserweights all inclusive? I mean, there's a there's a, the intercontinental and United States title divisions are completely open. And the World Heavyweight Title Division is the heavyweight division, but it's open as well, as are the tag team titles and all of the women's divisions being open to women. The 205 Live Cruiserweight title is exclusive because it's for people who weigh 205 and under. So if you break that apart, it's now just a novelty belt. So whatever the case may be, uh, Tiffany Stratton is... um, Coming to NXT, but I can care less because this seems like she's going to be a Barbie doll. And I thought we were trying to get away from those when we moved away from the Divas division. Uh, Joe Gacy and Harlan are now inside the ring and introduced people they want to include in the new Cruiserweight division. They have an actual Cruiserweight, a female, and a giant ninja. What the actual fuck? (laughs) Joe Gacy then takes on these three enhancement talents. Gacy makes quick work of the cruiserweight, pins him in about three minutes. The woman gets in next, and they're interrupted by the diamond mine. Malcolm Bismuth says this, this needs to be more legitimate, and on Sunday, Roderick Strong will shut Joe Gacy up. Roddy attacks, but Gacy gets the upper hand, and before the diamond mine can get a hand on Gacy, Harlan pulls him out of the ring. This whole segment gave me a headache, and I have to be honest. I think I still have one here uh, because, um, yeah, I I just don't understand it. I mean, if that's what the all-inclusive cruiserweight division is going to look like, well, then, golly, I guess it'll just be a bunch of jobbers. Losing to Joe Gacy would help from Harlan. I I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Sukhoi says tonight he respects his opponent but he's still going to beat him. Bo walks in and is looking for uh, help, but Sukhoi says he doesn't understand him and walks off. Legitimately, Sukhoi said, I don't understand what you're speaking. little funny, a little funny there. Sukhoi then takes on Idris Alfea. Uh Idris got in some good offense and had a decent debut. Sukhoi fought hard and uh, put his opponent away with some high-speed moves. Uh, Idris missed a 450. Sokoa nailed a pop-up Samoa drop and then hit his huge splash from the top to get the win in about five minutes. This was actually a really good match. They jam-packed a lot into that five-minute matchup. Post-match, Boa attacked both men but was finally scared off by Sokoa. Backstage Indy Hartwell gets a phone call about Dexter. And apparently he's been missing and she's now worried. Parada says their match is next and this is leading... I'm wondering if this is leading to a feud between Parada and Indy or Parada possibly poisoning Indy Hartwell against Dexter Loomis or what. Elsewhere, Electra wishes uh, Zion good luck on his match against Santos Escobar next week. And Zion looks confused. I am too. Indy and Parada take on enhancement talent. Uh, They didn't uh, even give these two girls names. Is it the 80s again? Uh, The dancing girl had some nice moves Especially the standing moonsault Indy got a tag to Parada Who took out both of her opponents And got the win for her team In three minutes Um, I understand what's happening here Indy is, you know Bewildered and freaked out that her husband Is injured and, you know, nowhere to be found But why, why do this in a throwaway match Then why not have them face a incredible tag team and then lose and and then you know it just makes no sense they're building parada to be this next beast but you've still got raquel gonzalez in nxt so to build another monsterish woman it's 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 just the same recycled storylines in my opinion because once those two go to battle it's going to be like when raquel took on rhea ripley in any case, it's main event time, and we have Johnny uh, taking Johnny Gargano taking on Braun Breaker. Johnny starts off with one, uh, some scientific wrestling, keeping a nice, slow, and steady pace after a plancha, but um, Gargano, uh, Breaker made a comeback. Uh, the powerhouse used everything in his moveset, including a top-rope Frankensteiner. They battled at the top, and Gargano hit Breaker with a briefcase, which sent him down to the floor. Johnny almost had the briefcase, but Braun pulled him off into a power slam and then gave, and this gave Breaker a chance. Uh, Braun Breaker climbed the ladder and earned his team the advantage. And I have to say something. I know I've been gushing over Braun Breaker this entire episode. Hell, I've been gushing over him since 2.0 started. But this kid is the best thing that could have happened and came out of the 2.0 era. Um I've said this before and I'll say it again. Everyone else just seems like enhancement talent that they gave a name and some music to. But Braun Breaker is legit. This kid has both Scott Steiner and Rick Steiner's wrestling ability deep down inside of him. And I I honestly feel that if they give this kid the opportunities that he's been getting to continue to move forward in this uh, wrestling company that is the WWE then Braun is going to go very far in the WWE itself. So, with that being said, post-match, the old-school and new-school brawled. And uh, it ends the show. And we are getting set up for war games. I would give NXT a 3.5 out of 5. Solid rating for them going into a pay-per-view. I didn't expect this to be an incredible show, But in all honesty, the wrestling ability is what put it to that 3.5 because it surely wasn't what was going on backstage or uh, outside of the ring. It was what was going on inside of the ring. And if it continues to be like that, well, then I can continue watching. So moving forward, we go to AEW Dynamite, which is Wednesday night. and You know what that means. Dynamite kicks off with some cowboy shit as Adam Page joined the broadcast team for our opening match. And there is a stipulation here that states that if Adam Page interferes or goes after Brian Danielson in this opening match, that he will be suspended. And there is no time uh, limit on how long he could be suspended for. So this could very easily hurt his chances of being continuing to be the AEW champion. Brian Danielson and Allen Angel make their ways to the ring. Allen Alan Angel looked great here. He had a t- ton of offense and surprised Brian a few times. But Danielson was vicious and is a mastermind inside the ring. Angels missed a moonsault. Danielson hit the flying knee, followed by kicking Angels head in and got a submission victory at the nine-minute mark. Good opener, good storyline progression here with Page and Danielson getting in each other's faces after the match. Johnny Hungy, John Silver, stopped it from happening and chased Brian Danielson off. Excellent way to start off AEW, and we find out that at winter is coming in two weeks' time that Adam Page will put the title on the line against Brian Danielson. Up next, CM Punk took on Lee Moriarty. And we have MJF on commentary. Throughout the entire match, MJF kept saying that it's it's matches like this that make him think that Punk uh, has gotten older and can't go as well as he used to, meaning that Punk is taking his time in his matches with guys like Lee Moriarty, QT Marshall, and so on, when Punk could have easily put these guys away in a couple of minutes. But this was a chess match. I mean, both guys went back and forth the whole way. Moriarty showed resiliency and incredible skill. Punk showed he could hang with the youngster and was just waiting for him to make a mistake, and it happened. Punk reversed the suplex into a GTS and got the win in ten minutes. Great match here. Great way to show off a youngster and to continue to show how much CM Punk has grown in his wrestling ability. Post match, MJF got in the mic and verbally abused Punk while he caught his breath. Punk jabbed back and got the fans cheering. These two are incredible going back and forth, and I hope it never ends. If it means them never actually having a wrestling match with one another, I'm okay with that as long as they continue to have a promo battle like they have each other week. Backstage Britt Baker says Riho cheated and blames Tony Khan. She and Jamie Hayter may have a small issue here, but they say they've made things up, but we'll have to wait and see how this develops. Adam Cole comes out for commentary next, but here comes Orange Cassidy. Apparently, Cole has moved on from Jungle Boy and is now feuding with Cassidy and the best friends. The Young Bucks and Cole attack Cassidy and leave him laying until Yuda and Chucky e. T make the save. Now, I have no problem with moving along into another feud. Not by all means necessary. Go ahead. But I would have liked one actual one-on-one victory where Jungle Boy actually beat Adam Cole or vice versa without any help from the young bucks so that we could have gotten a little closure in that feud before we go into the next six man feud, which as we know, it's now going to be Yuta, orange Cassidy and Chuck T taking on the young bucks and Adam Cole. It just doesn't make any sense why we would jump like this when we had such a great thing going with Cole and jungle boy. I'm not saying overdo it, force it down our throats. What I am saying is give it one more match so that we have an ending. But who knows, maybe we'll come back to it. We then hear from Tony Nese. He says he will become TNT champion on Rampage. I don't know why, but I don't believe him. Tony Nese was okay in the uh, Cruiserweight division on 205 Live. He was the Cruiserweight champion for a couple of months. But what I know of Tony Nese is that he constantly gets injured. And he's a great athlete, but it's not all that great when it really comes down to it. He's horrible at cutting a promo like he was here tonight. Very unbelievable. Uh, and I just, I'll be honest, anybody but him could have, could be Sammy Guevara and I would have okay with it, but not Tony Nese. Not this early, anyway. Uh, Wardlow then took on AC Adams in a two minute squash match. Wardlow powerbombed Adams four times and got the win. The fans were cheering for Wardlow something fierce and wanted more and more powerbombs. He stopped after four. Wardlow is being built like a beast and I like it. Tony Schiavone interviews Pac and Pentagon. Apparently Ray Phoenix is injured. So it will be Pac and Pentagon versus FTR at rampage in a regular tag match. Not a two out of three falls match should still be a fantastic, fantastic matchup though. I mean, all four of those guys could definitely go in the ring. Speaking of tag team matchups, we now get a match being built as two undefeated tag teams as Sting and Darby Allen take on the gun club. Now, the Gun Club, Billy Gunn and his son, Colton, have been together for since the beginning of AEW. Sting and Darby Allen have been together over a year, or coming up on a year with winter Is coming, only being a couple weeks away. I think Sting and Darby have had three matches, though, as a tag team. So to call them an undefeated tag team against the father and son duo, Billy and Colton Gunn, is a little ridiculous. First few minutes of this one was all Gun Club. They used whatever they could to beat back Sting and Darby. Darby made a comeback and landed a splash to Billy on the outside. Back inside, Darby hit a reverse stunner into Sting, who hit Colton with a scorpion death drop and got the win at the 11-minute mark. Decent, but nothing great here. And I got to be honest with you, I know that they weren't really going anywhere with Colton and Billy Gunn because they primarily wrestle on dark and elevation, but you didn't have to like force-feed them to Sting here. Um, you know, it's like, why would you l- make them lose their undefeated streak? Just because, I don't know. I think more could have been done with this match. Maybe a disqualification loss with a beat down or something. I don't know. 2.0 attacked Chris Jericho backstage as payback for Jericho saving Eddie Kingston last week. Someone needs to teach these guys to make their punches and kicks look great. uh Look real because it wasn't too great here is what I was trying to say. Uh, They missed about four or five times and ended up punching Jericho in the thigh instead of in the stomach. Uh, After this, Leo Rush approached uh, Team Taz about Dynamite and the uh, Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal next week and said he's a fighter, and no matter what, he's going to fight. Leo's grown on me, but seeing Dante Martin turn on him and joining Team Taz is a little bit like iffy. Um we know Dante Martin is not going to progress under Taz and will probably be used as enhancement talent. Like he has been, and he'll have still have great matches, but he isn't going to beat anybody big like when he was with Leo or even when he was by himself. So it's just weird for me that they would, they would you know blow that tag team up so quickly. Uh, now they have Leo just going on and saying, I'm a fighter. I'm a fighter. Taz did throw one pot shot and I, I thought it was a little rough, but I mean, he's not wrong. He told Leo, why don't you just go ahead and retire? Uh, I believe that this was a mocking towards Leo having retired the last, you know, last year and a half, three times. But you never know. Backstage, Jade Cargill is talking, but I'm not listening until Thunder approaches and says she'll be watching Jade's match this Friday on Rampage because she will be wrestling one of Rosa's students uh, on uh, on Rampage. Um I really hope that Jade and and Thunder Rosa have a great uh, semifinals match, but I know the way Jade is and how she botches so often, so I'm 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 hopeful, but I'm I'm not really expecting much. We then go to Statlander versus Soho, a match that has been built for four weeks. Uh-huh. <coughs> this was a scientific match, classic between both of these women. Uh, They went arm drag for arm drag and reversal for reversal for the entire 16 minutes. Ruby hit a Poison Rana, followed it up with a Hoon rana for a two. Statlander was going for her Big Bang Theory, but Ruby reversed it and got the pin and picked up a great win. Fantastic matchup between these two women. Post-match, as Ruby went up the ramp, uh, Nyla Rose came out and totally destroyed Statlander. Statlander. Oh, excuse me, reverse that. As Statlander went up the ramp and let Ruby uh, celebrate her victory, uh, Nyla Rose came out and attacked Ruby Soho because they are going to do battle in the next round of the semifinals of the TBS tournament. The four women that are left in this tournament are all great wrestlers. Uh, Nyla Rose, a little botchy, but she is a former AEW women's champion. Ruby Soho, great indie star, didn't do much in WWE, but has been great in AEW. Thunder Rosa, one of the best indie stars that I've seen in the last couple of years, and has been at the top of the card in AEW. Her matches with Brew Baker are bar none, some of the best I've seen. And then you've got Jay Cargill. Um. So is anybody else hoping for it to be Thunder Rosa versus Isla, Nyla Rosa or Ruby, or Ruby Soho? I know I am. And anyway, we go to our main event now of the evening. Andrade versus Cody. This was an Atlanta street fight, and it stayed true to its name. These two started fighting in the aisleway. Both went, men went to war from start to finish. Andrade with Cody with his own weight belt, hit him with a laptop, and put Cody through a table. Uh, Cody continued to get up, though. Even though the, cr- the crowd was booing, Cody hit everything he had until he had to finally resort to having Brandy come out and light a table on fire. This spot was great, but also scary. Cody got the win at the 20-minute mark and almost got badly burned when the flame jumped off the table, landed on his chest and his back. It was incredible main event, though. Whatever you're going to say, Cody and Andrade went all out. Uh, four out of five for uh, AEW Dynamite this week. couple of matches that I don't think needed to even be on the card and could have let the rest of the show get a little more to it such as the Gun Club versus Sting and Darby Allin. But in any indication, still a great show. As I said, four out of five. And now we come to our final show of If You Smell What the Arch Is Cooking, and that is AEW Dynamite. And we start off with the TNT title match. It is Sammy Guevara taking on Tony Nese. I expected a quick, technical, and high-flying start to this one, but it was a brawl. Sammy and uh, Tony took it to each other at the rampway and outside of the ring. Elbows and right hands were exchanged. Knees nice battled back and took it to the floor again, and it looked as if both men were just waiting for the other to make a mistake. Nice finally did, and Sammy caught him with his finisher and picked up the win in 17 minutes. By the way, that reverse... Um, torture rack into a go to sleep by Sammy Guevara. I I believe he calls it the GTA, not the GTS. A GTA H, excuse me, go to hell, is unbelievable. And seeing him put it on somebody like uh, Miro a couple weeks ago when he won the title, now Tony's Sammy Guevara has definitely grown on me. I was basically... Shitting on him a couple of months back and now seeing as the way he's progressed, he's been unbelievable in the ring. And I think the TNT TNT title needs to stay on him right now is he because he is being a star maker. He's not only making himself a star, but he's making whoever he's wrestling a star in these matches that he's having. Um, so more power to him. We then go to Jay Cargill taking on Janaya Kai. And this was a 47-second squash match. We found a way to have Jade not botch. And that's letting her matches go no longer than a minute. She got in the ring. She hit a pump kick on this young lady and then hit uh, the glam slam on uh, Janai. Got the win. Post-match, Dunder Rosa hit the ring to stop Jade's post-match attack. Both women brawled. I Again, I hope their semifinals match for the TBS title tournament is something good, but I'm I'm as hopeful as I am. I have it in the back of my mind. Jade is going to make a mistake. She's going to do a botch. She may even hurt herself or Thunder Rosa in this one, and then that's not going to be a good look. But in any case, I just hope that we get the right person to win uh, and move forward in this tournament. Backstakes, the young bucks and Adam Cole cut an incoherent promo about Orange Cassidy and the Best Friends. I honestly didn't get the point of this, uh, except for they wanted to have some TV time on Rampage. Uh, it it just really didn't make any sense. Uh, we get a replay of Jericho and 2.0's problems. The last couple of weeks, Eddie Kingston then chimes in and says he doesn't care about Chris Jericho and will gladly continue his feud with 2.0. Uh, I hope Eddie comes back at 100% and uh, I I hope we do actually get to see him and Jericho in a tag team match against 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. Remains to be seen, but I think Jericho and and Eddie could make a pretty decent tag team. Mark Henry then does his split-screen interview with FTR, Pac, and Pentagon. FTR is upset that Phoenix isn't here, and we will not be getting the two out of three falls match, but they are ready for Pac and Penta. This... Is now the beginning of our main event, ladies and gentlemen, here on uh, Rampage, and this was a hard-fought, technically sound, back and forth classic. FTR is quite possibly the best tag team in the world, and Pac and Penta take risks that always pay off. Uh, We saw interference from Tully Blanchard, but it didn't pay off. But Malachi Black running down and spitting the black mist in Pac's face, his other eye, to be exact allows FTR to get the win at the 20-minute mark in another amazing main event. I mean, Pentagon and Phoenix, when they're together, unbelievable to see. Fe- Pentagon alone, unbelievable to see, and and Pac is by far one of the best fly flyers you'll ever see. Mix that with FTR and all they can do. I just didn't know who was going to give up first, and it took Malachi Black getting involved here to end the match. Uh, Post-match FTR removed the mask of Pentagon in an ultimate sign of disrespect, and Malachi Black further injured the eye of Pac. This, for me, was a 5 out of 5 show. Why? Because it's one hour long, and there was 40 minutes of actual wrestling in this show. 20 minutes of storytelling that actually made sense, except for the 5 minutes that the Bucks and Adam Cole Uh, cut their promo on Orange Cassidy and and his friends, but at least that was to, you know, progress the the actual feud Uh, so if that's the way you want to run a one hour show, please continue to do so AEW I love when you guys do this and I will sing your praises for Rampage every week so that will do it for the review portion of our show that brings us to one last bit And that's what grinds my gears. So, ladies and gentlemen, what grinds my gears tonight are legends who tarnish their legacies by being bitter. Case in point, lately we've been hearing from the likes of Ric Flair, Booker T, and Bubba Ray Dudley. Rick Flair has been shitting on Becky Lynch for stealing the man gimmick from him and him wanting to copyright it. Booker T said that he couldn't believe that someone like CM Punk would go to AEW instead of going to the WWE, back to the WWE because he himself would never leave Vince McMahon. Booker, you went to TNA. You shit under WWE for years while being in TNA and never once even getting close to the World Heavyweight title. And then we've got Bubba Ray Dudley telling Vince McMahon and Tony Khan how to run their wrestling shows and that he would do this better and you should really do this. And if they ever wanted to give him a call and give him a chance to help them book, Bubba, you're starting to sound like Vince Russo. You may have been able to help Paul E with the book in ECW. You may have been able to call the rent the cars and the brooms and the plane tickets and do what Paul E asked you to do in ECW. But in the WWE or AEW, no one is looking to hire you to book a wrestling show. It pains me to see guys who are legends, Hall of Famers, Absolute, downright great wrestlers, bitching and moaning on social media because they're no longer in a prominent spotlight, and they feel the need to bitch and moan to their fans on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and on podcasts. Hey, I'm on podcast right now. I'm bitching and moaning, but I have no fans in the wrestling business. At least I don't think I do. I hope I do. I hope whoever my listeners are, thank you for being here for me. But you're bitching and moaning to the people who support you, and you look bitter and old. This has happened time and time again in the wrestling business. Larry Zbyszko bitched about guys like Chris Jericho, Saturn, Benoit, and, and Malenko, and these guys don't do it right. They should do it like I did. Larry, nobody wanted to see it like the way you used to do it. They were tired of your act. That's why we got to another era in this business. Jesse Ventura bitched about the WWE countless times. How they used him and abused him. And Hogan stole this gimmick. And this guy stole this from him. And Vince McMahon did this to him. And when Vince McMahon called him back to be the, um, the special guest host of Monday Night Raw, he ran back like a little puppy. You understand? Superstar Billy Graham has shit on the WWE, has gone to court and spoken on behalf of other wrestlers against the WWE, and done everything he can to come against the WWE. But yet, when he needs another surgery, he knocks on Vince McMahon's door to pay for it. Wrestlers who are past their prime and are legends need to go ahead, continue to go on the meet-and-greet circuit, go to these You know, conventions allow your fans to see you, love you, take pictures, and enjoy you, and let you tell old stories. We don't want to hear the bitching and moaning from Ric Flair that Becky Lynch calls herself the man. Now, I understand some people don't like that gimmick. They feel it's wrong. But you're trying to copyright the word the man under what pretense? You're trying to say that she stole your gimmick. I don't see her wearing a robe. You're trying to say that she, she shit on you and and took something from you that never belonged to you in the first place, Rick. You're saying is to be the man, you've got to beat the man. You were the man in your day, Rick. Nobody took that away from you. But maybe if you stopped sticking your head Head so far up Charlotte Flair's ass, your daughter, and praising her to the high heavens above everybody else, maybe people wouldn't shit on you. I love you, Rick. You're my all-time favorite, but you're looking worse and worse every week, saying things like the WWE owes you this belt and that belt back because you gave it to them on loan. Vince McMahon got you out of debt how many times, Rick? Helped you when you needed it the most? How many times, Rick? Bubba Ray Dudley, you went from WWE to TNA, back to WWE to TNA, back to WWE again, back to TNA. You you couldn't make up your mind what company you wanted to be in because you didn't know what you wanted to be doing with your career anymore. And you think you have the right to tell somebody how to book their wrestling company? And Booker T, damn, man, if it wasn't for Vince Russo... Seeing something in you, you never would have been a world heavyweight champion. You were great, great tag team wrestler, great singles wrestler, but guess what? No one was banking on you. And when you got to the WWE, you took a couple years worth of ass whoopings before they put the world title on you. So for you to say something like, guys should be beholden to Vince McMahon, no. If Vince McMahon isn't going to give them what they need or want in the wrestling business and push them the way that they deserve, and there are other places for them to go, so be it. Because if the WWE would have knocked on your door in 1998 when the NWO was at full steam and would have offered you a payday booker, you would have taken it. You and Stevie would have been out the door. So wrestlers who are legends and have legacies to hold on to, stop tarnishing them. You're ruining it for yourself and for everybody else. With that being said, I want to thank you all for joining me. Once again, I'm sorry that Mark Brew isn't here, but again, he's off taking care of horseman business, which we know is more important. I know he'll be back in due time, though. He is my brother from another mother, and I love him. Uh, quick shout out to Bobby Anders, David Gold, Josh Blevins, Mandy Ampeschi, uh, Nick Francis, uh, Mike Zecca, Jeff Morlock, John Majewski, Daniel Ariola, Rocky Turner, all of the boys and girls at the Asylum World Championship Customs. Thank you guys for continuing to listen. And I will see you next time on If You Smell What the Arch.